Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Sure Top Roofing presents the Carolina Contractor with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF Roofing, shingles and materials. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Garner, a roofing supplier with a different approach. The weather's cooler and crisper. Halloween's done. November's here. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show. I'm Eric Smith with your host, Donnie Blanchard from SureTop Roofing. Have a good Halloween. I did, sir. How about you? I sure did. Kids love that. What is your position on candy corn? <laughs> I'm a big candy corn fan, but I'm doing this keto diet, so sugar and carbs are out for the time being, so I just have to pretend it doesn't exist. I can't stand candy corn. <laughs> I think it's not. What about peeps at uh, Easter? Either or. Not a big peep guy. No. Good. Licorice? Uh, the red. Man. Only. I'm learning some dark things about you, and we're barely a minute into the show. Yeah. Want to know more about the Carolina Contractor? It's not about keto and candy. It's about your house and things around it, in it, under it, and over it. Go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. You can get information about past shows. Last week, we are talking about the pros and cons of flipping a house. Very detailed and very surprising, the things about flipping a house that TV makes look glamorous that you really explained, Donnie. It's not glamorous, and it's very hard to right. turn a profit if you're going to try to flip a house. Also, hand nailing versus a nail gun, especially like with Donnie doing roofing, you hear advertisers saying, oh, we can, uh, we'll, we hand nail everything, and they add a premium price to that. There's a reason for it. That's doesn't right. mean it's better. Also, 5-inch versus 6-inch gutters. Using your heat for the first time this year, you probably have by now, and you know that smell. Right. It's not necessarily a bad thing. That's right. Again, thecarolinacontractor.com is the website that you can go to to get more information about that. We'll be talking about some other stuff later in this show, but first, Donnie, you had something very topical and newsworthy. Right. I I often see things that are updates on things we've talked about on past shows, and we did one several months ago about the advancements with solar shingles, and last Friday there was an article put out uh, regarding the Tesla solar roofs that we mentioned, and um, the version 3 of these were supposedly coming out very soon, and it didn't give us a lot of insight on what changes were made This article I read last Friday said that they've really worked out a lot of the kinks and that the big thing that they did is make the installation easier. So these weren't cost effective because they took as long as two to three weeks to install. Elon Musk claims that they have narrowed that down to about a two-day install for a larger crew and that they are actually cranking these out 1,000 per week in their Buffalo factory. So it has yet to be seen if this is going to work. Also read several articles that were knocking the solar shingles and saying that this guy has so many millions in investments from folks that he's putting out these promises that it's we're right around the corner, we're right around the corner, but it's kind of in the category of I'll believe it when I see it. But it is a good read if you want to check into that uh, to get all the updates. And let's real quick do a summary of what these shingles do for people who may have missed the past show when we talked about it. Right. I think that the, the big goal is to get – off of the grid or become energy independent and to have an array of solar panels that will actually fuel a whole house mm-hmm. and a full functioning house at that, you know, it, it just takes a lot. And they've claimed that, you know, half of your roof being solar should do the trick. But um, I just think that there are 
so many things to work out between now and then that they're still years away. But I guess the good news is they're making advancements every year, so it is going to be a reality. But the question will be, will something better be out there by the time it is a reality? And a cost-effective roof lasting you 50 years, if you're not concerned with saving money on your energy bills and that initial investment that the solar will give you, then just don't know that it makes sense at this point. Yeah, the ETA of any project usually goes a little bit longer than anticipated. The majority of your house would be powered by solar shingles on your roof. You could even plug in your Tesla because you know he'll make the plug proprietary (laughs) to work with the shingles. Right, right. So you could pull your Tesla into your house and uh, plug it into an outlet, and that would be powered off the solar shingles. Hey, one more thing. I also posted something on the website this week. They printed the first two-story 3D building in Dubai, and uh, it is such a good video. It shows how they did it. It only took about 15 folks for the project as opposed to 100 on something in similar size. And one thing I thought was really impressive is they got this done under $300,000 when a stick-built version of this would be around $700,000. But check the website out, thecarolinacontractor.com, and scroll down a couple of posts. It should be close to the top. And a really good video, definitely worth the watch. This is the Carolina Contractor Show, and today's subject we're going to be talking about is modular versus stick-built. And Donnie is a general contractor, and you build custom homes from the ground up, right? We do, yes, sir. So you have a lot of experience in that aspect of Mm -hmm. it and probably some just from comparison of modular. You want to give a basic summary of the two types here? Yes, I've worked on both, and, of course, we prefer stick build because that's the business that we're in, but um, there are a lot of reasons behind that, and I'll just start by explaining what each is. So modular, of course, is built off-site and usually in a climate-controlled factory, so there's a lot to be said for that, and there's a lot of things that are taken out of the uh, equation in terms of variables, but uh, a stick build is just like it sounds. All the members of a stick-built house are assembled individually. So they say stick because they call pieces of lumber the sticks. And then when you get into the drywall, it's all piece by piece by piece and um, just put together in a sequence that goes along with the inspections department and built one phase at a time. There are a lot of misconceptions about everything modular. Certain things like structural insulated panels, those are built off-site as well. And I'm a big fan of those because that's just something that gives you great efficiency and it's just a good product uh, to save you money in the future. A big thing that people do not know about modular homes is that there are several things that you have to have in place before you're ready to set one of these modular homes. One thing, you have to have your own lot. So the modular companies mm-hmm. do not offer you lots that are ready to build on. You have to find that lot and do all the financing, get everything in place before the modular company can do their thing. The homeowner is also responsible for the septic the well. So those are two big things. Contracting out a septic contractor as far as a uh, a well contractor, you're doing all of the dealings with environmental health department that go along with those two trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're responsible for all your own grading. So that site has to be perfectly prepped before they bring a modular home in. That's kind of scary because grading contractors could vary by as much as $10,000 on the price depending on the size of the company. Uh, your foundation You know, the modular company will give you a foundation plan, but you're responsible for having your foundation in place in most cases. Uh, PME, plumbing, mechanical, and electrical. You're going to have to know a plumber to hook up all your uh, supply and waste drains. You're going to have to have a heating and air company to come set the units. And, of course, an electrician to wire everything up when that's said and done. But that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So most people do not think about that when they consider the savings of a modular. Those are things that could be potential headaches along the way. And I guess the last thing I'll say is that modular homes are required to meet the building code. However, the building code minimum is not necessarily the way that you'd like to go. Donnie, real quick, do you think there are companies that take care of this back-ended part 
you buy the modular home and they might say, hey, by the way, if you need land and you need someone to do foundation and septic mm-hmm. and all, here's who we recommend. Yes, they they will offer recommendations in some cases, but that gets a little hairy because I think that they want to keep their liability to a minimum in most cases. And they say, hey, if you know somebody, use your person because they don't want the kickbacks if the customer isn't happy. And it's just a bad foot to get off on when you're getting started. As opposed to everything I just said, the stick built, you know, a lot of times the builder will provide you the land. They'll offer, if it's in a subdivision, they'll offer a land and house package that's almost so attractively priced that that you can't turn it away when you're looking at the price per square foot. But a builder can buy a plot of land and have it developed, and it's just a much easier thing. I have a close friend who had a big builder do a custom home for him, Mm -hmm. and he went in there and he said, man, you know, for what you could build me a house for it cost, this guy's offering me just about the same price with the land and everything included. So it was so reasonably priced that I just couldn't touch it as a custom builder. So I just think it's good for the builder to take care of everything from start to finish in a stick-built application, and we'll dive into some of the reasons why. But one thing modular companies say that drives me crazy is if you can drive it down the road at 55 miles an hour and it stays together, it's got to be a good one. (laughs) And I hate that. I hate that because I hadn't heard that. Yeah. What gets shaken apart from the factory to the lot, you know? So when a hurricane is on the way, just ask the weatherman, is this hurricane like a a truck (laughs) driving down the highway at 55? Because that's what I know mine will withstand. Oh, that's funny. Well, the big difference on these, uh, a modular versus a stick is obviously going to be the price, right? Well, that's what most people think. So, and I was under the same impression and they claim it's 10 to 20% less And that is true. When I've seen the math on a rectangular house, one of these basic modulars that resembles like a double wide, uh, that is true because it's a low roof pitch, you know, eight foot ceilings everywhere and everything is code minimum. But, um, you know, it's not very well insulated. The windows aren't often the best windows you can get for the money. And, um, you know, if you get outside of that rectangular shape, that's when the price starts to go up. And it's worth noting uh, our region is one of the cheapest areas of the country to build in. So if you're in an area of the country where it's just an enormous amount and you're going to go in debt way over your head and modular is the only option because of the financial commitment, then I guess it makes sense in that scenario. But it, we're still in a great area to build, and the price per square foot is as much as $100 less per square foot at, than it is you know, on the other side of the country. So I don't think there's an argument that you will save money by getting a modular home but there's got to be a trade-off somewhere, right, if you're paying less. There are. What and are those? I'll just start with the structural trade-offs. And they are cheaper because you have a lot less engineering. It's easier to meet code with stick-built. And it's actually cheaper because you have a lot less engineering in the framing portion of this. Uh, with panels and trusses, you have to engineer everything, and you waste so much blocking and bracing. And uh, it's just an inferior product that will stand up to the same engineering standards. But if you look at a hip roof truss or if you look at a trust attic space versus a stick-built attic space, it's literally half of the storage up there, and you just burn up a lot more lumber with the bracing required for the stick built. To give you an example, um, you know, a 2x6 with a ton of bracing will stand up to the same thing as a solid 2x10. It's just, it just seems like a waste. I did read where a storm damage expert or an inspector will tell you that a tree will go right through a truss roof, mm. and that's not the case with a real rafter. So I would prefer a much bulkier rafter that will withstand something, you know, in the event of a storm than a truss where you have to basically flee the house if, uh, you know, tornado or windstorm. Right. Is around. So one thing that drives that is there's a shortage of good framers out there. Trusses are usually easier to set than do the stick built and all the math involved with that. And just the lack of qualified framers is driving that because people can get out with less qualified workers. And it just seems a little bit easier to put that trust puzzle together. Now, what about efficiency, Donnie? Is it something that costs less to 
operate or to live in a modular home, aside from it being usually a little bit bit smaller. But all things being equal, same Mm -hmm. square footage. Right. It's more efficient. I've heard that a lot, right? Yeah, they claim that it's more efficient because it's built in a climate-controlled environment in a factory, but that is not so if you're comparing one of my houses to a modular. Uh, there is no way to substitute a 2x6 exterior wall. I'm given 50% more insulation with that 2x6. We're also able to do things like spray foam for one inch and then put a bat- backer on that. So uh, the R values and the envelope on a stick-built homes, it's just no comparison, but um, – these modulars are – every modular I've seen was insulated to code minimum. So where we've got an R20-something in our walls, they're sitting there with an R13. And you're listening to Donnie Blanchard, Top Roofing, also a general contractor. And you've built a lot of houses from the ground up and can do that. If you're interested, you can go to the website, SureTopRoofing.com. Okay, so maybe not as efficient. And, again, we've talked about in the past building to code minimums, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily what you want. One thing I do have to say about these modular homes is compared to what they look like back mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s, they look nice. They do. They do. They've got they've come a long way and they are getting better because they had to compete with the custom home market. But um this is what basically cancels out the big price difference is that when you start getting into complicated shapes or complicated roof lines or dormers for instance, all that costs a lot extra so you could end up paying the same or more as a stick built house. I did work on a friend of the family's house about 10 years ago, and they bought a modular because they were in a big time crunch. The modular company promised them the world. They had everything from cracks in the basement walls after the modular was set. They had several things that the modular company basically claimed they were not responsible for, but they brought me in as a GC because the modular company would not finish the second floor. And so basically I'm going behind what someone else has built, and I expected all the precision that they claimed to be in place not so. The windows were definitely inferior. Mm-hmm. Um, the framing needed major surgery to make everything plumb and square. And one thing that I noticed they didn't do is that on the three dormers on the front of the house, the windows were set way too close to the roof line itself. So there's supposed to be a reasonable distance between the shingles and the bottom of the window. And in this particular instance, when we got a foot of snow, they had about 10 inches of that snow sitting up above the bottom of the window seal. Whoa. So they had to fight a leak the whole time. So just several things that I feel like are superior about the stick-built version or what a qualified contractor is going to give you as opposed to a modular that's just kind of figuring out this custom thing for themselves. My wife and I, when we um, first got married, we found some property in Spring Hope, had a lake on it, seven and a half acres, and we got real excited because we found a builder mm-hmm. and said, man, we get to do a custom-built house. Mm-hmm. We can have all the little intricacies we want, have mm-hmm. design we wanted. And then we decide to get pregnant instead. So <laughs> that didn't happen. But the idea of a custom-built house is very exciting yep. because of those things. Now, with modular houses, what are your options to make mm-hmm. modifications and custom I- build ideas to a modular mm-hmm. Well, they house? have more floor plans than they used to have. But basically, with a modular, you're limited to pick colors and not necessarily products. So they... They are in cahoots with a particular window manufacturer, a siding person, and they basically tell you what you're going to use, and you can just pick the color. Uh, with a stick built, you can choose from an array of siding types, you know, window types, roofing types even, uh, your interior trim and cabinets. It's just unlimited options with that, and a good builder will, you know, guide you through what he recommends and then what's worked best for him in the past. It's just a couple of options that you don't have with the modular home. So when you're buying a modular home, if you don't like the flooring, you can change it after you buy it. I guess so. Yes, sir. Fair. That's so that fair. would be a, another thing to consider. If you don't, you better like what you're buying for the most part <laughs> right. because you're going to be limited on what you can That's ask for an option. You would have to pay for it out of pocket. Right. I'm going to throw a little monkey wrench in, in this next okay. part about it. And this is resale value. My wife went to college 
bought a used modular home and sold it for $100 more than she paid for it. She made a profit on it. Mm. Is she a unicorn? She is a unicorn for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that one, that's a really big thing and probably the most important consideration to take is that one of these appreciates, which is a stick built, and one depreciates. So unless you're just in this random market that has all of a sudden gained price per square foot in the last 10 years and that modular was there before that, I don't think you should expect to make a profit because these things just deteriorate at an accelerated rate compared to the stick built version. And I think we're the most chance of a profit being made on it is not actually the home itself, but if the land the goes land. up. Right. So if you happen to get a modular home put on a piece of land that increases in value, that's where you're going to get that payback. We'll have details about this up at the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Again, Donnie's general contractor. If you're interested in getting a stick-built house or something like that, or if you just need repairs on your roof, visit the website, suretoproofing.com. Now, coming up next, I say this every time, I like this part of the show when we answer questions from listeners because I don't like to think. (laughs) You know, I'm worn down by being married with three children. So using my brain power is not an option. Donnie's younger, stronger, and he has more brain cells to burn than I do. So we're going to answer questions submitted to the carolinacontractor.com website. You can do it right now. There's a little thing to click on. And Donnie answers them all. We're going to take a, a view at a few of these and give you answers. So stick around for more of the Carolina Contractor Show. We'll be back with more of the Carolina Contractor presented by Sure Top Roofing. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome back to the Carolina Contractor. With your host, Donnie Blanchard, presented by Sure Top Roofing. And it's that time of show where we like to answer, well, I don't like to answer, Donnie answers the question sent by you, the listeners. You have a question about your house, inside, outside, top, bottom, sides, somewhere around your yard, maybe you have a question. Go to thecarolinacontractor.com and click on the button there, fill out the info. Best thing is, Donnie reads them all, he'll respond to many of them, and we like to take some of them and just answer them on the air to give a a question that might have a broad appeal. And this first one is definitely mm-hmm. one. It's unique, but a lot of people deal with this, or they're told maybe they should. What is your take on public adjusters, Donnie, and are they legit? Well, I can't believe we hadn't covered this yet, and most people don't even know what a public adjuster is. They've never heard of it. But I did not. Um, a public adjuster is an adjuster who's also licensed um, in the insurance world. He negotiates on behalf of the insured or the policyholder. So basically – He goes to bat for you um, if the insurance company is giving you a hard time. A lot of people don't even wait for the hard time to hit. They just hire a public adjuster from the get-go. When we did a lot of work in Florida so many years ago, public adjusters are everywhere, and they are sharks. So um, in all fairness, I don't think that all public adjusters are bad, but a lot of times uh, the bad ones know how to manipulate the insurance company, and they're familiar with the dollar amounts and the softwares, and basically they go in with this – insanely enormous claim and they let the insurance company whittle them down. The way Mm. that they make their money is they go under contract with the insured or the policyholder and normally they get a percentage like around 10%. So if you've got a $50,000 claim, they may go in and ask for $100,000 and let the insurance company back them down to 60. You know, so you made more money and then they got their six grand and everybody's happy except the insurance company. 
my recommendation is if the claim is legitimate, uh, usually a legit claim, if it's just roof damage or siding damage, there's a lot of black and white there. So there's there's not much guesswork. And if the insurance company is going to do right by you, I think it's a slap in the face to get a public adjuster involved. And that's one of those things that costs everybody more in the big picture and you know usually causes premiums to go mm-hmm. up when somebody has a unjust claim. I would say the only case where I would see these folks necessary is if you have a really large, in-depth, complicated claim. A lot of adjusters aren't general contractors. For instance, I had public adjusters that I dealt with years ago, and I was much younger looking, and I still had a contractor license, so they would see this young, baby-faced guy come in there, and they thought they were going (laughs) to eat my lunch. And it was the exact opposite because they would just give me a lot of stuff that was pretty easy to pick through from a licensed contractor standpoint. So uh, the company that I worked, did a lot of work for would send me on purpose for these guys because they just shot for the moon and then they got shot down. So if you have a case where a public adjuster may be necessary, I would interview the guy. I would definitely get references or just read some of his reviews online. These folks are legit. They should have a better business bureau link. And, mm-hmm. and just the common ways we talk about filling out contractors, I would use all those same methods to check out and vet a public adjuster. All right, next question for the Carolina contractor. Our driveway is cracked in several places. We received a quote for almost $30,000 to replace it. Are there any alternatives? I'm assuming that it must be a large driveway. Well, yeah, but concrete's a lot more expensive than you think. This was just an average driveway, I would say, and for thirty grand. Um, Real quick, yeah. why do we park on a driveway and drive on a parkway? Never thought about it. I don't know. All right, back to your answer. Case for another show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so... $30,000 to replace a driveway, one thing you don't think about there is the demo for the old driveway and then the tonnage cost to dispose yeah. of all the, the concrete. concrete, but that's a big part of the cost. And then, you know, you don't want to hire a cheap concrete contractor. That's the worst thing for a big-ticket item. But um, there is an alternative to answer the question. Uh, the first thing you need to take into consideration, are those cracks structural or are they shrinkage cracks? So if they're just shrinkage cracks and all of the driveway appears to be one level, then you're probably just fine to go this route. But um, you know, uh, by default, the folks who do these driveway repairs and coatings that I'm about to mention, they'll tell you that the crack will probably come back, and there's just no way around it when you're driving several thousand pounds of a car, and a driveway just gets all the wear and tear because it's how you get to and from your house every mm-hmm. single day. But there's a concrete coating, and I actually did a roof, gutters, and siding for a lady recently, and she mentioned to me that she was having the driveway redone afterwards, and so... That aroused my curiosity, and I dropped back in through the phases of this process. But there's a company called Carolina Concrete Contractors out of Durham, and they just did a wonderful job, a lot of attention to detail. I actually called and spoke to the owner, and he gave me a little bit of a rundown, but these concrete coatings are not a paint or a stain. It's it's formulated using uh, tough acrylics, color pigments, uh, cementious material that you know feels like another layer of your driveway on top. But cementious, uh, yeah, cementious. That's I'm nice going to drop that in yeah. a conversation later today. For sure, for sure. Right. Let me know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but these coatings, they're amazing. They'll withstand sun, salt, rain, heat, cold. So pretty much everything you can throw at it. And um, I think one thing that that I really like is that it preserves your original driveway for another 10, 20 years, and uh, this particular lady had this done at her old house, and she was so impressed that she called this guy Brian with Carolina Concrete Coatings back out. And um, anyway, just a good company, nice guy, uh, good references, and I recommend this all day long because it's a fraction of the cost to replace your concrete. And we'll put that contact information up on the website. But, Donnie, do you know, Not you can't speak on their behalf necessarily, could you use this as a preventative Absolutely. So you've yep. got a driveway that's in great shape. You could call these guys up and they could 
Yep. Through the process for and the driveway. It looks so much better than just a plain concrete driveway. A lot of people try to remedy the, the way their driveway looks by just pressure washing it every year. And Brian was telling me that a lot of times this starts to expose the aggregate that's below the top layer of the, the cement there. So especially if you start seeing rocks or aggregate exposed, you know, this is something that you can do to seal that up and hopefully not lead to a bigger problem. Question number three for the Carolina contractor. Our overhangs come down so low that they touch the top of the windows. Can we do anything about that? So I was an architecture major, and one of my major pet peeves was when the overhang or the boxing came in contact with the window, and I thought, this is just poor planning. And I'll give you a scenario to, to help you understand. Every one of these I've ever seen are from an older home. So before building code was a thing, you know, folks would just build an eight-foot wall, and they were basically trying to make the cubic footage as small as they could on the inside for utility purposes because it's easier to heat and cool. And what happens is where the rafter comes in contact with the outer wall, you know, that rafter keeps going beyond the outer wall of the house. And if you have a six or an eight pitch, when it keeps going, it's going to drop down into that head height. So when that rafter keeps going beyond the perimeter wall, you know, it's got to extend out, say, a foot to two feet. And as it's dropping down with that six pitch, mm-hmm. a lot of time that starts getting into that window space. The top of most windows are at six foot eight. So the windows and the doors in the house should be at the same level across the top. And so when you're inside the house, you've got an eight foot ceiling. There's still some space between the ceiling and the top of the window. But when you get on the outside, a lot of times these things are overbuilt so that they come into conflict with the window. And unfortunately, there's really nothing you can do about that without major surgery. Uh, taking the roof off if you're going to do a replacement and basically replacing all the rafters is one way. Uh, you could, If your overhangs are two feet and you wanted to cut a foot of your overhangs back and rebuild the boxing underneath, that's about the only thing that I could think of in this particular case. But mm. if you pay attention when you're driving down the road, there are a lot of houses with this going on. Why would a house get built like that in the first place? I think that the folks just built these 40 or 50 years ago without having the end game in mind. Uh, this being a pet peeve, when I would draw blueprints, the way I remedied this on every house is I would always do a nine-foot ceiling on the first floor. So it kicks that outer wall up a whole other foot. So no matter if you have a six or a 12 pitch, when you extend that rafter beyond the perimeter wall, you still don't come in conflict with that six-foot-eight top of the window height, and you still have some space between, which looks way better on the outside of the house. Uh, you got a question for Donnie Blanchard with Suretop Roofing? Go to thecarolinacontractor.com to submit yours. Okay, I, I didn't prep you about this, but mm-hmm. I got a question. My son had a question for you. Okay. His question was, dear Mr. Donnie. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he wanted to know, what's the hardest type building uh-huh. to put a roof on? He thought it would be a church. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so he's exactly right. Good question, Zach, because... One of the toughest things that we've done is install a church with a radius style roof. So as the rafter went up, it actually had some curvature in it and, you know, it ends up on a backwards 2412 pitch when it's all said and done. So mm-hmm. it's straight up and down. Um, the reason that's hard is because every single shingle that goes on there has to have roofing cement between it and the next shingle up. So you've got one guy banging a nail and another guy going behind him with the roofing cement to do this exactly the right way. But that's what the manufacturers recommend. Um, a mansard, which is like a barn type roof, mm-hmm. you know, the, the top is pretty flat, three pitch ish, but the sides are usually the same thing where they're almost straight up and down and that cement is required there. And that's just a tough thing to do for anybody when you're hanging from a rope. So I bet. Yeah. If you have questions for Donnie Blanchard of SureTop Roofing, again, hit the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. And if you have a question about your house, whether it's the roof, as we're just talking about, you need repairs or replacement, suretoproofing.com. 
If you do contact Donnie to ask him to look at your roof, what's the best thing you can tell him, Donnie? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor, presented by SureTop Roofing. Submit your questions online at thecarolinacontractor.com and tune in next Saturday as we continue to help make your home great again. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. 